For the epistle of the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, we read from the Apostle St. Paul to the Romans, Brethren, owe no man anything except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love does no evil to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus got into a boat, and his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was covered by the waves. But he was asleep. So his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But Jesus said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there came a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What manner of men is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Our Lady, seat of wisdom, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. In the first Mass, I was telling a story of how I was thinking when I saw this Gospel, of what happened yesterday, I, I was driving the sisters and we were driving through a snowstorm. And after you drive for a while, you know how you can get reckless as driving you, you get a little bit more careless. And I was thinking to myself that maybe the sisters were in the back praying, Lord, save us, we perish. Uh, we did make it through. There was a, a, a great snowstorm going through South Dakota and, and Wyoming yesterday. Today, I do want to speak about uh, two topics, one related to the epistle and the other to the gospel. When it comes to the epistle, I want to speak about what is the real love of our neighbor. And when it comes to the gospel, I want to speak of how God is a God of peace, is a God of calm, of light. First, related to the epistle, we hear the apostle once again telling us that we ought to love our neighbor, and that loving our neighbor is the fulfillment of the law. Now, in all their times, you know, the priests would preach about the necessity of loving our neighbor, because that is certainly necessary to preach about. Nowadays, the danger runs in the excess on the other side. People preach too often, I would say, but rather mistakenly, of loving our neighbor. And this is the one quote that you will hear from atheists and liberals and people that go against religion. They say, well, you say that you have to love our neighbor. And so why do you judge this sin or this perversion or this bad thing? Why do you judge your neighbor? Aren't you supposed to love your neighbor? That is the one quote that they'll bring to us. And they could use today's epistle where St. Paul says, that loving our neighbor is the fulfillment of the law. My friends, it is important to understand what is the real love of our neighbor. 
Remember that the commandments are divided in two. You have the three commandments that are aimed at God. Those are our duties towards God. And you have the other seven commandments that are the duties to our neighbor. When St. Paul is saying that loving our neighbor is a fulfillment of the law, he obviously means in regards to the duties to our neighbor. And the proof to this is read the epistle. He lists the commandments and he lists only those that are related to our neighbor. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, etc. But there is the other commandments, the first three, that are actually more important. To love the Lord our God. What is my point with this? My point is when people bring to us the scriptures and they say to us, well, you shouldn't judge this or that person because, you know, it says in the Bible that you should love our neighbor. Our reply should be, in the Bible, it also says that we ought to love God more. And so if you're asking me to go against God in order to approve of your sin or approve of your scandal, I cannot do that because first I must love God, then I must love my neighbor. Many people today would say, I love my neighbor, I don't judge them, and so I will give alcohol to my drunken friends. Or they will say, I love my neighbor, so I won't judge my friend or this person or that person that is doing marijuana. Or I love my neighbor, so I, I don't care about my children going to sleep to other places. Or I love my neighbor, and so if this person is committing a horrible sin of perversion or this or that, I won't judge them. Or they remarried and they got divorced again, I don't judge them. I love my neighbor. No. That is being cruel to your neighbor. That is hating your neighbor. Why? Because you're not seeking for the true good of your neighbor. And that is real love. When you seek for the true good of the people around you. Notice what St. Paul says at the end of the epistle. He says, love does no evil to a neighbor. And so if you really love someone, you will not let them be in sin, or at least you will do whatever you can to get them out of it. If I remain quiet when people next to me, the love, my loved ones, my, my friends, my family, are falling into sin, I am allowing them to go to hell. That cannot be love. The reason why I don't say things more often than not is cowardice, is that I don't want to get in trouble, I don't want to be seen as sanctimonious, I don't want to get into a discussion, but it's not love of my neighbor. Now, does that mean that we have to go preaching to everyone, getting in trouble with each and every single one of my friends and my parishioners and, and my uh, relatives or whatever? No, that's not what it means. Some people, as I've said before, we have the duty, to others we don't. If we can, we should help. If we can, we ought to correct. If not, at least we can pray for them. But the important thing is this. We should never approve of their sin or approve of their scandals or anything like that. Recently, this actually comes handy because recently, just a couple days ago, we had yet another scandal by Francis where he publicly said this particular perversion is not a crime. 
And it must be said when people, were, when heretics in high places are saying heresy, one is bound to come here and say, yes, it is a crime. It is a crime. It has always been considered as a crime by the church because it's an evil deed. And every evil deed is a crime. Whether if the government punishes her or not, it is a crime. So my friends, that is how we ought to love our neighbor. I do want to give you a story that, that illustrates this and it, it puts me to shame perhaps, but it's a good story. I've said often that when I was in the world, I was very worldly. I wasn't a good example, I would say. And I say that to my shame and praying to God that he helps me repair for that. But I remember I was working in an office and you know, this was just an IT department. People are not particularly Catholic. And there was this guy who came to me and corrected me. He is the only friend that I keep from the world. All the other friends I don't talk to at all. But him and another are the only people that I continue to talk to because on that day, I realized this is a real friend of mine. And he came and pulled me over one day, just at random. We were right there in the office. He pulled me over, brought me to the office of our manager. And he, it was just me and him. And then I see tears forming in his eyes. And he says to me, straight off the bat, he says, you say you're a Catholic, but you don't act like one. And he said to me, you either stop saying that you're a Catholic to everyone or you act like one because I'm Catholic. And at that moment, those simple words of a guy that was nothing but a co-worker changed my life. That was the beginning of the movement in my life that brought me to my vocation. That was a good friend, someone that cared for me, someone that was really willing to correct me that cared for my soul. That's how we ought to love our neighbor. For the second point of today's uh, sermon, I want to speak about something that the gospel today teaches us, that God is a God of truth, of light, of calm and peace. I don't mention these things at random. Look at the story that we read today. The apostles are in the storm, and, and they're struggling with it. And if you look at all these things, they all appear. The apostles were surrounded by noise and wind and all these uh, horrible things from the storm. And our Lord brings to them peace. The apostles were hesitant in their faith. They didn't know if they were going to be saved. They were saying, don't you care that we're dying here? And our Lord gives them confidence, certainty. The apostles... We're afraid. Our Lord removes that fear. And finally, the apostles were in darkness. They didn't know where they were going. They were about to crash, perhaps, with one of the rocks on the lake. Our Lord gives them light. They know now where they're going. I do want to tell you this because it's very important, I always say. In your life, you will have decisions that you need to make. You will have thoughts that come to your mind. You will have situations that you encounter. And in all of these things, you have to discern, is this coming from God? Is this coming from me? Or is this coming from the devil? 
to discern when something is from God, find these four things. If it is from God, there will be peace, at least inner peace. If it is from God, there will be truth. If it is from God, you will lose fear. And if it is from God, you will have light. You will know exactly what you need to do. Everything in our religion and everything that comes from God comes with those four things. And whenever you find the mix of something else, something is off. Either the devil is tempting us or our flesh is going against us. But when God is here, you have those four things. I do want to end the sermon quickly, but allow me to explain briefly each one of them. When I say peace, I don't mean peace with the world or necessarily peace with my friends or my family. When God gives me peace, it's peace against my passions. It's peace against my evil inclinations. In your heart, in your mind, there is a storm always going about. A storm of anger, of jealousy, of gossiping, of lust, of who knows what temptations that arise. When Christ comes to your soul, he gives you peace against all those passions. And that's where you find it, right here in the tabernacle. I say truth. The truth that God gives us is Christ himself. The world would say, as the doubts of the apostles, maybe there is no God, or maybe there is this, or maybe there is that, or maybe you shouldn't listen to the priest. And on the other hand, God gives us truth. He says, no, it is I, Christ, he is the Lord. Who is this that the wind and the seas obey? That is the truth that Christ always leads us to. The calm that I say, the loss of fear, is the loss of the fear that our sins cause to us. Think of this, when you go to the confessional, it is as if you were going there in the middle of a storm. It is as if your soul was that little boat in the middle of a storm and it's almost filled to the brim with water and it's about to collapse and the wood is cracking. And then you go to the confessional and you come out and it's a calm lake, like the ones you see up in the mountains where nothing is moving anymore. Absolute peace. And that is a peace of having your sins forgiven. Also, you receive it with Christ. And the last one is light. And when I say light, I mean moral light. When our Lord comes to you and gives you an inspiration, when you receive something from God, you immediately know this is the good thing to do. This is what my duty is. This is where I need to go. And that is a beautiful blessing that many, unfortunately, in the world lose. This comes to me also very timely because recently I've been talking to several people. Uh, I get phone calls on, uh, sometimes and people tell me about this idea or that church that they're going to, or you know this wrong opinion that they have. And you always notice that there is missing light. They don't know what they should do. They don't have peace. They are always in questioning. What is the truth? Where is it? Who is here? Who is there? They don't have calm. They have constant fear. Am I being lied to? Uh, am I in sin? Uh, is this person right or wrong? All of those four things are lacking. But when you're in the possession of the truth, when you're in the true church with the true sacraments, you have those four things. Truth, peace, 
loss of fear, and light to know where to go. My dear friends, to end with the sermon today then, let us ask our Lord to give us this grace of calming those storms in our, in our heads sometimes, perhaps in our mind, in our hearts. And as we continue with Mass today, let us ask our Lord that we persevere in the possession of those goods that come to us with the true religion. Praying those prayers, that prayer that the apostles said, even though they were hesitating at the time, we do not hesitate anymore. When we say to our Lord, Lord, save us, lest we perish. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.